We are continuing our message, our series in Training for Greatness, and today, wait for it, you're going to be very excited, we're talking about fasting. Oh, yay! Somebody's excited. And all I think when I start thinking about fasting is how angry I'm going to turn out to be, right? I'm going to be so hot. I, so if you guys don't know me, I'm Carrie, and I'm the student ministry director here at K2, and I am so happy to be with you. And um, I'm extra happy because I did eat this morning. So I'm ready to be with you guys and talk about a subject matter that means a lot to my heart. And one of the reasons it means a ton for me is because I actually really, really like food. Anybody else with me? Who here sits in service thinking about where you're going to go to eat after service? Okay, I totally do that. And if you see me, you guys, now you'll be watching me. And I sit like next to one of my family members. I'll like lean over and go, Chipotle. And that's all I'll say and I'll just lean back. Or Cheesecake Factory. Middle of service. I'm sorry to whoever's teaching that day. And so if you're talking, I'll know what you're talking about. All right? But I'm like so focused. And my husband was like, when he got married to me, he realized he's joining a family that that's all we think about. When my family visits us, it's like, so where are we going to eat first? Like we're showing up. We're going to eat. So it is like a big deal. So when I started learning about fasting and what that means, it became a big deal because I have to give up my food and probably be crabby. Yeah, so I'll tell you something that's true. I do love fasting, and almost every time I've been confronted about either not being friendly enough, or is something wrong, or are you mad at me, every time I'm fasting. Every single time. And the Bible says not to tell people, so I'm just like, no, there's nothing wrong. Sometimes my husband's like, are you okay? And I'm like, come to my face and ask that question. (laughs) Right? So there was one time I'm sitting in a meeting with my boss, Jason. Where's Jason? Over here somewhere. No, or he's running. And he asked me three times, are you sure you're okay? You seemed off in management team. Are you sure something's different? And I was finally like, no, I'm fine, Jason. I'm fine, just let it go, just let it go. And I'm finally like, I'm fasting. And which he immediately went, oh, never mind. I'm just gonna let that go. We'll let that go. But I'll tell you this, we're gonna start with looking at, just in the first few minutes here, a little bit what fasting is. But the main part of the message is gonna be looking at why we do it, all right? Because it is a biblical principle that is from the beginning to the end. Old and New Testament, and it's something we don't talk about as a church very often. But it is a spiritual discipline that is, goes right along with prayer, goes right along with reading your, your word and the, his word in the scripture. And it is important to Jesus. And he talks about it. And so from the Old Testament to the New Testament, it's all over the place. But when you fast, one of the things you need to know is kind of the ugliness inside of you comes out. I don't know if anybody's ever experienced that. It's like me getting, looking like I'm annoyed and I want to stab somebody. <laughs> Watch it, right? I started wondering, off of that video, you're not you when you're hungry, what if that is the real Carrie? Ouch. 
Like all of a sudden I was convicted one time. What if this happy carry is just the sugar-filled, right, medicated happy carry? And that carry is the real carry. I'm crabby carry. Or as some of the teens call me, scary carry. <laughs> what if that's the real me? And when I had that conviction for the first time, I started loving this moment of fasting. I'm going, Lord, weed out every part of me. Take it out. Take it out. Every single part that is not of you. But if it's that hard, you're probably sitting here right now going, Carrie, why should we do it? And I'm going to go into a little bit more details of what fasting is, but I want to read you, and this is not going to be on your screens. It's a last-minute edition by me. Now, and I, in Isaiah, there is a passage. You guys can put in your notes and go and read this later. The whole chapter is about the wrong way to fast and then the right way to fast. And there's a promise of God in this that I want to read to you guys. Now, when I read it, you guys, after you write it down, just Isaiah 58, and this is two parts of that chapter, maybe close your eyes and absorb this on what God is saying. If you can figure out fasting and do it unto him, what kind of blessings come? This is what it says. Speaking to the people, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear, and your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. He literally will have your back. So it says, your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here am I. Then the light will rise in darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He'll satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. Who wants that? Come on, who wants that? All right, that's what Isaiah says after how to fast. So as we're figuring this out, what is fasting and how it kind of sounds like the drudgery. All we want to do is eat and all we want to do is think about food and then we want to go out and be with friends and eat while we're hanging with friends. But this blessing comes and what does it mean? And what is he saying? So what is fasting? So I love looking in the original Hebrew and Greek on what the words mean. And just so you guys know, there are lots of words that get translated really kind of sloppily into the Bible because not the translators are bad, but because the English language is kind of lame. Can I tell you that? So like names of God, there are Many, 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 many. And you have to look, and sometimes it just says Lord every time. But they're all different words that have different meanings. Then, like love in the New Testament. There's four different versions, and all of our Bibles just say love. So then if we were to add all the definitions of love, then all of a sudden the sentence is really long, and it's not a literal translation. So I was like, what? does fasting mean? I was so excited. And the first thing I found out when I studied this for the first time is that every instance of fasting is the exact same word. Even when it translates from Hebrew into Greek, it has the same meaning. And are you guys ready for the deep, profound meaning of what fasting is? It means 
donate. <laughs> That's it. Right, write that down. You'll need to remember that. <laughs> don't eat. Donate. And that's all it says. That's all it means. It's abstaining from food and nothing else. It is one of the examples that all of your Bibles are translated perfectly. Fast. Fasting from food. So we often fast, and we hear of a lot of other fasts that are not of food. And we'll talk a little bit about those. Those are good, but they are not necessarily from the Bible. All right? So let's go through a few things what fasting is not, and I want to take away one thing really quick for you. What God is not going to do in fasting, and this is really true about any of your spiritual disciplines, I'm hoping some of you are going to get freed from a bondage right now. So we're talking prayer, reading your Bible, we're talking submission last week, the subject matter for next week. God is not sitting up there while you fast, waiting for you to mess up, so he can take you out. He's not. He's not going to smite you. He's not like, oh, she only fasted for an hour, smited, smash you. Why do we think God does that? How many of you guys have ever, so you don't have to raise your hand, in your own heart, have ever struggled, ooh, I don't read my Bible enough. He must not love me. This is what I'm talking about. I have not prayed enough. Ooh, he must be angry at me. That's what I'm talking about. There's no verses that talk about that. How come in when we train for anything else in the world, we expect there to be growth? We don't expect when my daughter walks on the soccer field at the age of six for the first time that she is going to be an Olympic soccer player. What if I was standing on the sideline yelling, you're a loser! Run faster! Right? But we expect her to grow. And I want you guys to look at fasting this way. I want you to go, it's okay if I've never fasted. And it's okay if I'm gonna start in a small way. And that's where these partial fasts come in sometimes. My encouragement to you is just don't stop there, okay? You just need to know that. Like, grow, let yourself be stretched, let yourself grow in this area. So a few quick things, and then I have a very youthy illustration to bring up, of course I do, right? All right, so the first thing is when you look at fasting in the Bible, we are not talking about physical need fasting. So there's a lot of health fasting. Have you guys heard of those? They're kind of going around, it's like the big thing. I actually do one of them regularly. That is not what we're talking about today. We are talking about fasting specifically for spiritual purposes. And I'm here to tell you, if you do a spiritual fast, you often will not get the same benefits. You'll get some, but they're a little bit different. And our goal should not be for those to come. Sometimes God allows them to come through them, but sometimes people go, I'm just going to lose a bunch of weight and I'll fast a bunch, and that's whole, I'm all excited about it, but I'm telling you, your metabolism will get messed up. Okay? There's, there are two different things, so just know that. The next thing is everything I'm taking about fasting is straight from the Bible. So when we talk about the types of fast and food only, there is only one instance in the Bible, one, and it's Daniel, um, that talks about a partial fast. The rest are complete fasts in different amounts of time. All right, so it's all, all your food, 
and the shortest being an, a day and the longest being 40 days. In Daniel's story, he fasts twice, once at the beginning of the book, and in that case, I don't believe it's a fast. That's me, we can argue theology later. I think it's more like when somebody becomes a vegetarian or a vegan. Okay, I'm just not gonna partake with what I do not feel is right. But later in the book, he does another one with the position of his heart as a real fast, but he does that just to not, if the Bible says, partake in choice foods. So that would be like people who give up all sugar or they only go on a juice fast or veggie fast. You'll hear the term Daniel fast, and it's that second one that I think that's talking about, all right? So, just so you know, that's one case of the Bible, and I cannot tell you why Daniel did that when nobody else did that type of fast. All I can tell you is all the other places, they're complete fasts, all right? Um, so that's one thing to know. The next is there are different um, types of fasts. Like I said, you could go on a liquid fast. Um, that would be close to that Daniel fast. You can also go on um, Moses do not do this. I shouldn't say you could. Moses went on a fast called a supernatural fast. And he went 40 days without food or water. You will die. Don't do that. Okay? So the food, interestingly enough about it is, the food part of the food fast is, I think, an important aspect. So if you're just trying out, like I said, and you're exercising this muscle and you've never fasted, Give up the candy or the TV or something, but you know what? You guys could live without that. You can't live without food. So there's something actually supernaturally holy that happens when you take the food out of the picture and say, God, you're going to be my nourishment during this time. The next thing to talk about, there are two types of fast. One is an occasional fast in response to something, and another is they call it liturgical, or it's like every Lent. You've heard of those. Every beginning of the year. The church will often do it together. They'll, they'll have a purpose, and it becomes an organized thing. All right. The last thing before I move into the why, which is the real part of this message, is to keep it on the down low. So keep it quiet. And Jesus is talking to Matthew, and he said that in Matthew, that um, he, he goes, when you fast, don't be like those people, the hypocrites, the Pharisees, who go around acting and telling everybody that they're fasting. They're like, oh, look at me. And I don't know how Jesus talks to you, but I imagine him like talking to me like a teenager would, an angry teenager. In which case he goes, ew, don't do that. Ew. You know, if you do that, and all the people notice, do you like that? Do you like the feeling when everybody tells you how holy you are? Good, because that is your only reward. That's what Jesus says. That's your only reward. Keep it on the down low, unless you're doing a corporate fast. And in that case, still only tell the people you're doing it with. But keep it quiet. And then in that case, keep it completely private. All right, I have my guys coming up. I have an illustration to show, to show you guys. All right, here they come. You guys ready? So what we're gonna do is, this is a slingshot, yes? All right, 
They're ready. It's a slingshot. And they are going to launch the slingshot. And you guys, who wants a t-shirt, by the way? Well, I guess it's going this direction. All right, launch the slingshot. Oh, Daniel, that's sad. All right, try it again. So before he does it, I, asked, I actually asked him to do that. He's not that lame. <laughs> Slingshots, they only go further when you stretch them, right? You stretch them. That, to me, is what fasting is. All right, stretch it for real now. Who should we hit? Guys, I'd watch your faces. They were coming in pretty hot during, during a practice. Let's see, where's it going? He's going to try. All right, nice. All right, try this way, but this time try to hit the booths. Or right out front. You're going to get... Okay, go this way. So now watch this. Now when he decides this time, now really pull back. Everybody, watch your faces. Bad things can happen to you if you're in that section. Okay. Some grandma's going to lose her face. Is that, oh. Who is that? Is that Mariah? All right. Bring me my slingshot. I'll take it. Thank you. That was awesome. Nice job. We actually have one in the rafters from practice, if anybody wants a t-shirt. It took us a while to get that. But I want you guys to picture this illustration. When we go into something, any spiritual discipline, but especially fasting as well, you start just like a regular rubber band without any pressure added to it. And so to, fasting is an on-purpose pressure stretching with the purpose of going further in your relationship with God and what he's called you to. It is being willingly stretched to go further. Now, I have a quote on what um, fasting is. This is from the Bible dictionary. There's an actual dictionary just for the Bible. Um, there's a few. But it says, fasting is the laying aside of food for a period of time when the believer is seeking to know God in a deeper experience. Who doesn't want that? To know him in a deeper experience. All right, so let's jump into this. There are two reasons that I want to talk to you guys about today that we fast. The first one is to align our hearts, just like they align the slingshot. This side, not quite as well as this one with all the bodies waving. <laughs> to align our hearts with his. Fasting aligns our hearts to his. And it will align it rapidly. As soon as that hunger pain kicks in, you have to encounter how you feel about God the second it happens. It's one of the reasons why I love and dis dislike, I was going to say hate, I don't hate, I love and dislove <laughs> fasting, is because it forces you into a stretch. Just like a person training for a marathon or a person training Serena Williams. She lost, you guys. Who watched it yesterday, the US Open? No tennis people in this room? <sighs> Football? Okay. Serena, she was trying for the all-time winning amount of Grand Slam wins in history. And some young punk took her out. It happens, right? She would have tied 
for the most one in history, she has to keep training. She needs to go back for more stretching, doesn't she? To meet the best of all time in tennis. But there's a couple things under aligning our hearts to his. The first is confession of sin. Now, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this one because Dave talked about it last week. But sin is actually, the definition of sin is missing the mark. So when we talk about aligning to God's heart, it even can be tiny. Is it a tiny sin? You're just, but how big of a difference when this was just the tiny little bit of turning did different people, did the, the slingshot go? Just a tiny little bit. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is in Joel. And we're going to read Joel 2, 12 through 13. And before we jump into this, a little bit about the minor prophets. I love them, and I don't have a ton of time to go into all the details about the minor prophets. But I want you guys to know this, that they are worth reading. And the only difference between the minor prophets and the major prophets are the size of their books. They have the same great stuff in them. Read them. In Joel, and all of them, they are pointing, and this is where some people don't like, anybody want to admit they don't love reading the Minor Prophets? Okay, there's a, good. I'm glad you guys can admit to it. They're confusing. And the reason they're confusing is because they are prophesying and mixing times from things that have already happened, things that are currently happening, things that might happen in the next year or two, Prophecies about Jesus coming to earth, prophecies about the early church, and prophecies about the end time, all mixed up. All mixed up. So don't let it bother you that they kind of freak you out. All right? Because they're, they're hard. And so Joel is one of those snapshots. And in the passage I'm about to read, he, he also has a passage about Jesus and then he has a passage about the early church, the same thing that's quoted in Acts 2 that says, in those days, the old men will prophesy, the young men will dream dreams, both men and women, my spirit will be poured out, is in the same chapter. That's where I'm like, it, get, it gets me all kinds of excited. But first, he's calling out sin. And here's the, here's the um, passage. Joel 2, 12 through 13. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. Not part of your heart all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. See how they're all three put together? Fasting, weeping, and mourning, because it's not supposed to be fun. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Now, I'm going to stop right there. Rending of the heart of the garment is all over the Old Testament, and Mordecai does it in the Mordecai and Esther story. Jacob does it. David does it. And it means to just be like in anguish. And the ripping of the garment, this is really fun, that word means violently. So it's a super intense rending of the garment. And what he says here is don't do that. It's not about the outside. It's about the inside. Because people were acting all like, oh, look at me, I'm fasting, and nothing was changing on the inside. Their heart was not aligned with God. Stop trying to make everybody else think you're great. We love you no matter what. It's between you and God. Is your heart cracked open? One of my favorite illustrations of this is, how many of you guys, I'm going to go really middle school here, have watched Paul Blart Mall Cop? All right, good, me too. I kind of like him a lot. Um, so Paul Blart, there's a scene, he has a really bad day at work, 
and I wish I had the clip. I don't have this clip. And he comes home, and his mom is making him dinner because he lives with his mom. It's part of Paul Blart's charm. And she gives him pie, and he takes home. Do anybody remember this scene? Takes pie and covers it with peanut butter and goes, it fills the cracks of my heart. <laughs> and he's filling, and then he eats the pie with the peanut butter on top. This verse is saying to do the exact opposite. Okay, it's saying don't medicate with the food and crack your heart more. Ouch. All right, who's excited they came to church today? <laughs> crack your heart more for me. This ripping, violently ripping. So I don't know where you are. Maybe this will be the reason that will draw you guys to fasting is confession. Maybe that's not going to be your reason. But if you're struggling with something, come to him with this broken heart. Rend your heart. Because it goes on to say, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relents over disaster. Rend your heart. The next is to make sure he is your sole desire. You want to find out if he's your sole desire. If you're right now going, I will never do that. I love my food too much. Food is over him in your heart. I know, ouch. Food is a, it's an actual way, an outer expression my husband came up with this after I explained everything of what I want to say and how it, it shows what's really in here. And it's, he goes, you mean it's an, it's an outer expression of your inward need for God? I went, All right, wordsmith. Yes, that's what it is. And when you ha if you can sit there and say, there is something that I would be angry at God about if I lost. I'd be ticked off. I'd question my faith. Whatever that is, is over him in your kind of order of love. Whatever it is. It could be a spouse. It could be a job. It could be money. And his desire is for us to love him with all of our heart. And for him to be the sole desire of who we are. Now, he gives us all those things as blessing, as gifts, but he's the one we live for. Fasting will align that super fast. It really will. I'm going to read you another passage that's not on there really quick. And in Psalms 63, I love this because David wrote this in a time of struggling. And in this passage, he talks about, um, you'll get a glimpse of how much he loves the Lord. This is what it says. One of my, it's, it probably is my favorite psalm. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. My whole being. Do you hear that? Not part of my being. My whole being. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. All right, now that is not a figurative part of the story. He's literally in a desert when he's writing this. Hiding. He's in a literal desert, thirsty, when he writes, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. He's saying not even water is above you, Lord. Whoa. 
right? I don't know if I've ever been in that position where I could say that. And that's me just being really honest. I don't think I've ever been in that position. I probably would have sat out there and been angry that he didn't desert me next to a really cool river. Right? But he says right there, I have seen you in the sanctuary. I behold your power and glory because your love is better than life. I will praise you as long as I live. That's what it looks like to have him first. And I'm going to tell you that we are actually, some of us are going to do a fast this week, a practice fast. So if you've never done it and you want to join, we'd love to have you do just a meal or a partial fast if you've absolutely never done it and it seems strange, or an entire day, and that's going to be the thing I'm going to pray for. Some of you guys might be, might be the confession piece, and I definitely have things to confess, but this will be the sole one. My biggest confession is, ooh, I just made it through an entire day and didn't think about you, Lord. That's my confession. It's this one. Is he my sole desire? The second point I want to hit is fasting aligns our will to his. Fasting aligns our will to his. Now, if aligning heart is not hard for you, this one is going to be brutal. This is the harder one for me. It's harder in every single way. I have a quote first, and it's from Dallas Willard. It says, fasting confirms our utter dependence on God by finding in him a source of sustenance beyond food, Fasting unto the Lord is therefore feasting. Feasting on him and doing his will. We need to be aligned to his will. The Bible talks about two very distinctive times. One is during times of trial. Some of you guys right now are going through a trial. You're like, you don't know what I'm going through, Carrie. There could be sickness. There could be marriage problems, it could be your kids, it could be finances, but you're like, I'm in trouble. And there are many, many examples that I can't get into that people fast for in the Bible because of trials. And we need to go to him during that time. And I have a quick story I want to tell you about a time I fasted inappropriately. Do you guys want to hear about this? I messed up. So we are in our early part of our ministry, Dave and I. We had no kids at the time. And we are in this little town called Maryville, Missouri. And we called it Misery instead of Missouri because that's how we feel about Missouri. Sorry, Missourians, if there's any in here. Um, And it was the hardest ministry experience of my life. And when we got there, things went awry pretty fast. I was a youth pastor. Dave was the children's pastor. And it was hard. And I went to him and I said, hey, let's leave. There's other churches. We can go anywhere. And he said, yeah, not so much. Talk about submission issues. And I was like, really? Okay. Um, But he said his reason was he felt like anything less than three years at a location Um, would look bad on a resume in the future. And so I was like, all right. And I tried to grit through, and I ended up getting really depressed. Um, And I'm not a depressed person typically, but certain trials will get you there. I bet everybody has been through times like that in this room. And so at right about two years in of our stay there, I was completely desperate. And I went into a fast under the wrong reason. And I said to God, all right, I'll give you two choices. Never a good way to start. 
affairs with ultimatums. And I said, either one, help me love this place by giving me this house that I've been dreaming about. It's on Main Street, it was one of those big old houses, and it was only $60,000, probably because it was a money pit. But help do that or change my husband's heart. And I'm not gonna eat anything until one of those two things happen. I should be dead. Um, I'm alive. So interestingly enough, this is so how God works, day 31 rolls around, and my, 31, it was ugly. Day 31 with nothing, he comes in the room and he goes, hey Carrie, I was thinking about putting my resume together and sending it out. And I went, let's go to dinner. <laughs> so we did, and I thought I had God in my little box, didn't I? Well, looking for church jobs does not happen overnight. And interestingly enough, it was three years to the day almost that we moved to our next location, exactly the time my husband said he wanted to be at that job. And I saw God just go, Carrie, if you had just fasted to know my will, instead of changing my will, you could have eaten after one day. Right? <laughs> one day! If I had aligned myself with his will, and I know if I would have prayed for, Lord, what is your will? I would have heard, I would have heard, I got it, Carrie. I know, I hear you. I know you're struggling. I got it. I got it. But I wanted my will and not his will. I have a video that we're going to show you guys right now of um, a person I love very much. Her name is Jodine. She's right now working with our students, uh, fourth graders, third graders. And I want you guys to watch this video and hear her story on this issue of, of leaning into God and praying during times of trial. Go ahead. So about a year ago, um, I got cancer for my second time. My first time uh, was in 2012. You know what? You, you go in and um, they do some tests on you and they say we'll call you back in about two or three days and they call back at 6.45 the next morning. And so you know it's different. But you know you're by yourself, but God is there. So before I even put the phone down, I had a calm. And, and I knew we're, we're good. It was just calm. It was a peace. And, and I knew he had it. You know, it was within six weeks. I had 22 appointments, and I had surgery radiation, and I was done. It was also very private. No one had to know. I didn't. I just went through it all. My dad had cancer at the same time, and we both got through it, not a problem. And then in uh, 2017, my dad got cancer again, and um, he passed away. But you know what? I spent time with him, and he had an inner peace of God. And when he died, I thought, oh, my gosh, he's with God. And I had, again, a total peace. Never thought anything of me getting cancer again. I, it didn't even cross my mind. In June um, of last year, I actually had the 
genetic cancer screening. And they said, no markers, you're good, not a problem. This was in June, in September. I went to a wedding outside and I got bit by mosquitoes. And the next day I swelled up, my neck, my chest, everywhere. And uh, I called my oncologist because I was still under cancer care because of um, my previous time. And they said, no, there's, there's no way. Cancer doesn't grow that fast. I went to Instacare. They said, you need to go to the ER. Um, and I went to the ER. The doctor, same thing. You know, cancer doesn't grow this fast. There's no, we're good. But I have learned from technicians' actions. As soon as they find something, they stop looking at you. So I thought I knew something. And I got a call, and they said, um, you know what, you need more tests. And I said, okay, no problem, still calm, still nothing. And then I had some more tests, and then I got the calls again. You know, this time was going to be different. Then a PET scan, which is a total body scan for cancer. And then I got a call. It was at 4.30, I remember her exactly. She said, I'm sorry, and we'll, we'll try to maintain you. And I'm sorry, and I said, no, no, no. You guys are rock stars. Um, I already gotten confirmation from God. When I got called this time for my cancer, it was different, because I knew it was bad. But this time, he didn't give me a calm. He gave me audible. I am mighty, and I knew. I knew I'd have to fight, but I knew I was, he was good. He was still good. I could feel it within me. I could audibly hear it. And about nine months before that, he had put it upon me to, in my morning prayer, to pray for, uh, praise for healing from disease. I've learned from past that when God asks you to do something, whether you understand it or not, you just, you just do it. So I started treatment. Do you know what? The peace that I had, I had no stress. I would look at the other cancer patients up there and there was so much stress and so much sadness, so much anger and regret. And I, because of God, didn't have to have any of that. You know, some, some person said to me, well, if he's so powerful, why didn't he just heal you? I got to touch and see so many people and, and witness to so many people. That's why. And so I had another PET scan. The nurses came in to see my face because he said, you're cancer free. And I said, I know, so what are we going to do? And he just looked at me and said, we're going to enjoy this moment. I just had such inner peace from God and such a goodness from Him. I never even thought that I would not be cancer-free. That was all because of before and my relationship with God before, seeking Him before. You can't wait. You can't sit there and, and be caught up in your media life and your job and your toys. and You can't wait, you guys. You have to... You have to dig in, and you can't do that unless you can hear him. And you can't hear from him unless you give him time. You can do it when you're driving. You can do it when you're getting dressed. You can do it when you brush your teeth. You can talk to him always, but you've got to reach out to him in order for him to strengthen you because you don't know if you're going to have something put upon you 
I was stage four cancer. It was in my throat, all over my chest, down my spine, in my hips. I had cancer all over my body. So when they saw the PET scan that said it was cancer free, he, that's why he wanted a moment because he had seen so many things, but he had not seen that. I got to witness to techs, radiologists, and I praised that my family was there and I had relations around me, but my biggest relationship was with God, and without that, everything else would have been nothing. So I'm, I'm telling you, you guys gotta seek him with everything you have and put your stuff down and, and lift up yourself with God. Jody and great. Now, did you catch the posture of her relationship with God did not change when her dad passed away from cancer? She saw the good in it. And when she was healed. Do you guys get that? Because it's not about getting what you want from God. It's about aligning to his will and understanding his his plan for your life. And when somebody, that's what I love about what she says at the end, just connect to him, don't wait. Because it made losing her dad easier too. And it made going through that trial easier too. She never complained. She wouldn't like me telling you that she's not in the room. She came to youth group after chemo and served our teens. She came every Sunday because she saw the goodness of God in the trial. So this is what happens when we align ourselves to his will. It goes from, I am afraid, to God's got this, to I went for, through this for the doctors. Not, oh, I'm so angry that every step of that was so painful. She saw all of it. She saw all of it. It's turning it from inside to resting in him to seeing the good of loving others. To seeing the good of loving others. That is following his will. There's another reason, and I'm just going to mention it. It is to be, to align your will during times of preparation. All the fasting in Acts is for this reason. And I wish I had tons of time to sit and sit with it, but we'll send out verses and stuff if you decide to do the fast. By the way, we'll do it on Thursday. Um, if you guys want to jump in, whether it's an hour or the whole day. Um, and then Friday night, we're actually having a worship night. And I, if you've fasted before, maybe you want to do a little longer, you could join Dave and I. We're going to do Thursday and Friday and break it after worship and go to a restaurant. You guys are welcome to come with us. And watch us be like, how fast we can get in. Um, but that was something we're going to do. But really, we're just asking for the church to do it together in some way. And, and we're going to think about sending out like different passages. And I'll send those Acts passages out. Because they're super interesting that Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament, with God's like, divine ability to be called and do and write, happened through a time of prayer and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, send that dude. So he went. What if somebody else wasn't praying and fasting for him? A time of preparation. It's actually the time I fast the most. So right now where youth group is about ready to kick off, 
Fasting and praying for a few more leaders, especially high school. Fasting and praying for our students' hearts, because I love you guys. It's in preparation. Are you guys ready? Are you ready to be stretched for whatever God has for you? There's a person who I love his story, and I'm going to tell it as fast as I can. But his um, name, you guys might know all the history nerds in here, Francis Gary Powers. Anybody know who that is? Yay. Okay, we got out like one hand. So he was a CIA agent. He grew up and his dad was a coal mining coal miner and he wanted him to become a doctor to get a better life and he ends up going in the Air Force and then the CIA and he is flying missions in the U-2 spy plane. Bum, bum, bum. How fascinating. So there is a um, real life story in the movie Bridge of Spies. Anybody see that? Okay, that's him. Now we have a few more hands. Okay, that's him. He's part of that story. And he goes into, um, over where the Soviet Union, Russia is now today, and they detect him because they made a series of mistakes. And one was going in on a Soviet Union holiday where there were no other real flights going. So they detect him and he gets shot at with 14 missiles. And they thought this plane could fly so high it was undetectable. And he was only trained basically for two things. He wasn't stretched for everything. He was trained for two things. How to destroy his plane and how to kill himself so that he could not be interrogated. And in the middle of the chaos, the plane flips upside down. And so even to eject, he would be going back into his plane or be hit right back into it. And it's spinning out of control and he can't destroy the plane before he's thrown from it. And he doesn't die and he's unprepared. And it's not his fault, probably CIA's fault. He was unprepared, they hadn't trained him what to do next. And so he ends up getting captured, and they got most of the plane, and he ends up serving time in the Soviet Union for two years. And during this period, because of his untraining, he didn't know how to respond. He was kind of like winging it. Everything he was doing, he wasn't ready for. And because of this, and you see it in the movie, it's a great movie, Tom Hanks, go watch it. Um, the climate in the United States changed towards him. You think it's bad today? Like one bad thing comes out on social media and everybody's like, oh, they're terrible. And there's conspiracy theorists. Back then, maybe one good article a week was coming out. And everybody thought he was a traitor. Everybody thought he had done something wrong. Why didn't he take one for the team? Why didn't he destroy that plane? You basically gave it to the Soviet Union. They copied everything. And so he doesn't know all this is happening. He gets released in this trade on this bridge. And he comes home for the next trial. If being imprisoned in a, in a Soviet Union camp isn't enough for two years, coming home to disgrace. He had to go through a congressional hearing. He's being stretched. He didn't want this stretching, but a constant stretching of himself. He ends up being exonerated and winning only one, one thing, and that was from the CIA, the Silver, the silver um, Star Award, while he was alive. The rest of the accolades came after he was dead. And he had to live with this constant tension of being stretched when he didn't ask for it. Kind of like so many of us when we go through trials. 
And then there's a second, a second issue while flying. At the end of his life, he is working at a news station in a helicopter. And a lot of people don't know this part of the story, but he also made a mistake that day, and he was covering the wildfires in California. And as he's covering them, one of the mistakes he made is he took the, air, the helicopter he was in had a faulty fuel gauge, and they ran out of fuel. But it's not the mistakes we make that define us, guys. It's how we handle them, isn't it? Just like the confession piece. God's there to forgive us, all of it. How, are we, how do we handle through it? But this time, he's prepared. He's fully prepared. In the spur of the moment, he starts processing, where do I put this thing down? Do I put it down on those houses and maybe hurt somebody? No. I'm in a heavily populated area. What do I do? He's now been stretched. He's now been trained. And despite his mistake, he can do something. And he sees a park in the distance. He's like, that's it. We're going to the park. There's a wide open area. And as he gets close, the last second, he sees a bunch of teenagers playing baseball. And he realizes rapidly he's going to hurt them probably kill them. So he needs to make a split-second decision. The one safe place he thought to crash is no longer safe. And he thought probably he could get out of that crash if they weren't there. He calls in the radio station and says, helicopter lost, and noses that puppy straight down, taking out his life. And they say later, and the boys say, saved their life. Because he knew what to do. Because he had been stretched. He knew what to do. We don't like the things in our life that feel painful. Nobody wants to be in a prison camp in the USSR. Nobody wants to go through a plane crash. Nobody wants to come back in shame. Nobody wants to go through cancer. But if we can see it, that God is preparing us for something for him, what can we do with that? And that's where I'm going to end it today. And I want to ask you guys, are you prepared? The band can come on up. And, um, and as they come, we're going to close in worship. And during this worship... I want you guys just to sit and think, what could be the thing I need to maybe fast for? Is it confession? Is it to make sure he is my only desire? Is it that he's calling me for something? To speak into somebody's life? What is it? And listen to the song, because until he's your everything in front of you first, we can't do the rest. And I want to read, just in closing, a passage from Nehemiah. This is written right after they do a community fast. If anybody wants to jump in Thursday. And this is what he says. Stand up and praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, and may be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, you give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you.
Let's worship together.